Good morning here at the Newburgh campus. Good morning to those of you who are worshiping at the West Campus. Good morning to those of you who may be worshiping on Facebook Live this morning. We are grateful that you are here. We are grateful to talk, to spend a few moments today just talking about what it means to be committed to Jesus. And as we start this, I wanna go back just a few years for myself. When I was a freshman in college, and yes, that was several years ago for me. When I was a freshman in college, I quickly partnered with a campus minister and he challenged us as freshmen that year to depict for ourselves a life verse or a life passage that we would be able to share with people. Now, I understand this campus minister may have just been using that as the trending teaching moment of the day, but I believe the premise that he had was very valid because he challenged us students to read scripture to memorize scripture, to internalize scripture, so that when the day came that someone would ask us, why do we live the way we live, we would be able to speak that into them. And so I did. As a 19-year-old young man, I started looking through the scriptures and I tried to find for myself what would define me for what I thought then would be the rest of my life. Now, please do not mishear me. I believe with everything in me that all scripture is God breathed and all scripture should be used in our lives to walk us forward each day. But I'm a rule follower. So I got my Bible out and I started looking for what my life verse would be for then. And I found myself going back time and time again to the book of first Corinthians in chapter 15. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. But please hear me this morning. As a 19 year old young man, I had not a clue what I was about to embark on. You see, I was not raised in the church as a young man. I started attending a small country church at the age of 15 as a freshman in high school. I committed my life to Christ at age 17 and was baptized in that small country church. Then a year later, I went off to college. By the grace of God, I connected with a group of strong Christian friends and I quickly realized their spiritual maturity was far beyond the point that I was already at. And then as only God's humor can do, I married a preacher's daughter. <laughs> She's a lovely woman. But I quickly found myself coming back time and time again to my verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and we won't read the whole passage, but see this portion of it. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Really? <laughs> really at 19 years of age, that's what I chose out of all scripture that I was wanting to apply to my life. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. I had not a clue. But as I matured in my faith and as my family grew, I quickly realized God was calling me into full-time ministry, but he was also saying, Brian, you're gonna have a day job on the side. I want you to be all in. And for me, I've clung to this verse my entire life. It's in my heart, it's in my spirit. It's actually a paperweight on my desk at work because one of my students that I mentored here in this church years ago thought about it just a couple years ago and bought this little paperweight for me just as a reminder. It's carried me, church, through times when I thought in my humanism that I was failing. 
And church body, I believe with everything in me, it is where we need to cling today, that we as a body of believers must decide to devote ourselves fully to the work of the Lord and what he has laid before us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this morning. We are grateful for your presence. Father, we are grateful that we've been able to spend a few moments in worship. We are grateful that we've been able to spend a few moments communion at the table. We are grateful to be able to give back to you and we are grateful for who you are, Lord Jesus. We pray your spirit here in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to take us to just two familiar passages today, something that we have studied in this church time and time and time again. And as we look at these two passages quickly, please know this. I'm standing here before you today, and what you receive, you may walk out of here and not think it's deep teaching, and you may not walk out of here life changed, but here's how I hope you walk out of here today, church. I hope you walk out of here today knowing that God has called us to be on mission and his mission does not change. And I hope you understand that what God calls for the vision is for God's church, big C, his church, and God's church, little c, the local church here in Evansville, Indiana. And I believe, church, that as we progress through time, how we go about obeying that vision will probably change. It must change. Methods will come and go, but the mission of Jesus does not and will not change because it is in him and him alone that we find our hope, our salvation, our reason for being. Several years ago, we as a church body declared ourselves as a great commandment, great commission church. And again, those are the passage we'll see here in just a minute. And please know church, we still are a great commandment, great commission church. And just a few years back, we said about ourselves that we wanted to be disciples making disciples, and we still are. And of most recent time, we used this phrase that we wanna be connecting everyone everywhere to Jesus by multiplying leaders and campuses and churches. Friends, the mission of God is not changed and will not change. Let's take a moment and listen to the teaching of Jesus in the great commandment, Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. Now, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, him being Jesus. They came to Jesus and said this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all of the law? And Jesus replied to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Don't you just love the way Jesus would teach when he was here on this earth? So here comes a man to Jesus and he asked him one question and he was expecting to get one answer. That's all he wanted for that day. And Jesus specifically answered the specific question that he was asked. The question is, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God first and foremost, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. But Jesus couldn't stop himself. And he said, but by the way, that's not enough. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. I understand that each of us in this room have to figure out a way for ourselves to study scripture, to make it come alive within us. 
And each one of us will do that differently. So all I can share with you this morning is how I personally study this passage and what it does for my life. And as I study through this great commandment passage, I see one thing very clearly, and it is God saying, I must be first. I must be first, Brian. And you must love me heart, soul, and mind. And here's how I process through these, and I'm gonna take them out of order and how they're listed in the scripture, confession up front. I am told by Jesus that I need to love him with all of my mind. And how I wrap my head around that is to me, that is me seeing God the Father, God as creator, sustainer, life giver. He is the God of creation who took that which was nothing and made it into being. He is the God of creation who formed me and made me a human being and brought me into his presence and I am to love him. I'm to think about him with all of my mind. But he also says, Brian, love me with all your heart. And that goes to a much deeper place with each and every one of us. And to me, that is where I meet face to face with God the Son. And God the Son says, come into relationship with me. God the Son says, I have sacrificed for you so that it is no longer about you. So I must love God the Father as creator. I must love God the Son as savior and enter into that relationship with him. And he says, love me with all of your soul. Now that's probably more difficult for each and every one of us to understand. And when I think about my soul, I think about my most inmost being. It is the place I believe where God the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. God the Father, our creator, God the Son, our savior, God the Holy Spirit wants to enter into our lives and be our counselor and our companion and lead us forward in every step of our lives. Church, I pray. I pray that you love God this morning with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. But please hear the first part of that. God says, I need, I need that priority place in your life. It must come before your spouse. It must come before your children. It must come before your workplace. It must come before, before everything else in our lives. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, once you wrap your head around that, if it's even possible to love me, heart, soul, and mind, he said, I need you to love everyone else. I need you to love your neighbor. And we've been talking quite a bit the last few years about loving our neighbor and the art of neighboring and what that means to be in our community. So please hear me and don't mishear me this morning. What does it mean to love your neighbor or who is your neighbor? And friends, that is true. It is the person who lives next door to me, but it is also the person that's in the cubicle or the office next to me at work or down the assembly line. And it is the person that I will meet on Wednesday afternoon at the grocery aisle in Walmart. And it is the person who lives across the globe who is in desperate need of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, everyone everywhere is our neighbor. And Jesus says, love me and love everyone else that you come into contact with. So let's go to the second passage of the Great Commission, still in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus' words, Jesus came to them and said, Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Once again, in this passage, Jesus takes his rightful place of authority. He makes no bounds about it. That is his position. God has given Jesus the authority to give us commands in our lives and commissions in our lives. And Jesus left this earth from living as a human with these words. And he said, here's what I need you to do, church. Here's what I need you to do, individuals, to make disciples of everyone around you, to baptize them and to teach them. And you'll have to get your head around what all that means in your life as well. But know these simple truths. We are to make disciples. We are to bring those who are outside of Christ, inside of Christ. We are to surround them with the love of God. We are to be great examples in their lives and we are to bring them along on their journey of faith so that someday they will live differently and hopefully that always we get to the point of service and not just following. We are to baptize individuals into the name of God. And we celebrate baptism here at Crossroads by immersion to be fully submerged under the waters, to be buried with Christ, to rise again symbolically just in new life, just as Jesus came out of the tomb. And we are to teach. We are to teach the commandments, love God, love others, and to teach all of scripture so that we may continue to edify the believers. I believe it is our duty to constantly teach and grow the mature believer at the same time as we reach the one so that we are all in unity of what Jesus is calling us to do. And Jesus seals this passage with a promise. He said, if you are doing all of this, know this. Know this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be in your presence. I will be with you. Church, I believe with everything in me, God calls us to this great commandment, this great commission, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that we should serve him. And we in this church body have had several visions. We believe they are visions of God that he has laid before us over the last several years. And what I want you to understand today is those visions from God are not changing. And we wanna look through those for just a few moments here together today. And these are in my words. We are still committed to planning missionary families or individuals in unreached places. We are still committed to starting new church plants here in the United States. We are still committed to being one church in multiple locations. We are still committed to greatly multiplying our small groups. And we are still committed to growing the attendance of non-believers at each one of our campuses. I'd like us to take just a few moments and look at those visions. Again, because they are visions God has laid before us. They are visions that will not change. How we go about them may change through the years, but in themselves, they would not. So just a moment to look at each one of them. We are still committed to planning missionary families or individuals in unreached places. At each one of our campuses, you've probably heard stories this morning of different missionary families in 2002, the Newburgh campus, you heard this this morning, Steve and Diane Larmy, we sent them off to the continent of Africa. And here was their mission to reach every kid in every village, in every city, 
in all of Africa and all of the Middle East. And today, 68,000 plus kids every week are in discipleship with the Lord Jesus Christ because we partnered with a family, a family who said, I'm all in, a family who said, I will give my life to spreading the gospel of Christ. We have a commitment with the Mustard Seed Network in Japan. If you understand anything about Japan, you know that it is one of the world's largest economic and technological powers. Japan has over 127 million people and it is estimated that 95% of them have never heard the gospel of Jesus. And so the Mustard Seed Network, this small little network that we have partnered with since their existence have already baptized 100 souls into Jesus Christ in a place where 95% of the people have never even heard about the name of Jesus. And our own Tim Maxson and his family are serving in Dubai. Please know Dubai is a place where over 80 different languages are spoken. So what a strategic place to put a partner who will spread the gospel where it will be translated to 80 different languages to then be spread back into their home countries and continue to spread the gospel of Christ across the globe. So let's start shrinking that down a little bit. We are committed to starting new church plants here in the United States. In March of 2016, our church partnered in Brooklyn, New York with the Epiphany Church. And this small church started in an obscure little location and within six months it had filled up all of its seats and it had to move to another location. And they have already moved another time and they have already moved to a second service and I found out after last night's services they have already expanded to three services. Because of your partnership in planning churches here in the United States, God's word is spreading in Brooklyn, New York. We partnered just a year ago, September of 2017, with the Centerset Church in the Silicon Valley of California. And this small church in under a year is already having 104 in average attendance and 11 baptisms to date. But we're just not about all across the United States. We partner locally. A new partnership this year that I hope you know that we have entered into is partnering with the Potter's Wheel in downtown Evansville. And at the Potter's Wheel, the staff there and the countless volunteers that go into that place, they minister every week to mothers and their children and to neighbors and they restore dignity with responsible charity. And they welcome homeless people in each week and call them by name and love on them. And students, young and old, come into that facility every week and work towards getting their GED in hopes of a better job, in hopes of a better future And people come in every week encouraging one another and studying the word of God here locally in downtown Evansville because you, church, are partnering with people to spread the gospel of Christ. We are committed to these partnerships. We are still committed to being one church in multiple locations. We all know and love our West Campus, and we say hello to you again this morning on the West Side. One year ago, September 10th, 2017, we opened the doors of our West Campus, and in with one year of its existence, we are already at three identical services, just like we have at our Newburgh Campus. But church, know this. 
The West Campus did not just start when we unlocked the doors on Bismarck Avenue. The West Campus started many years ago when a group of folks in our congregation decided, I need to be more about my community. And they started meeting in homes and they started meeting in businesses and they started meeting in small groups and partnering with strategic people to say, we need to be here in our community. We realized as a church several years ago, again, that ministry models must change. We realized that our attractional model of ministry had probably lived its life cycle and you you may or may not understand what that is. For years, we we celebrated the attractional model of ministry. We built onto our Newburgh campus and we expanded and we had larger and larger and larger programming and God blessed it and it was successful. But there came a point we realized where maybe we need to minister differently. Maybe instead of hoping people will come here to be with us, maybe we should go to where they are, into their communities and celebrate and add campuses there. And while we probably don't officially say that we have an online campus, we post our services every week on Facebook Live and we know that people are watching that and hearing the word of gospel. And maybe they're not ready to enter into a house of worship yet or maybe they like the comfort of being in their home or maybe they're not physically able to be be out of their homes. So we want to spread the gospel under every mechanism we can. We are committed to being one church in multiple locations. And we don't know, church, where we're going next, but we know God will call us. He's going to call us to another campus site. Maybe he's going to call us to the north side of Evansville. Maybe he's going to call us downtown. Maybe he's gonna be brave enough to ask us to cross the bridge over into Kentucky. We don't know. Born and raised, Slaughters, Kentucky. It is a real town. It is nowhere Kentucky, I will tell you. But we don't know, church. But what we do know is this. God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone in this campus location and to meet people where they are and to live with them where they are. We are committed to greatly multiplying our small groups. Friends, if you are in a small group, then I really don't have to say anything else. You know that small groups is the lifeblood of community. It is within small groups where we study God's word more closely and it is where we love on each other more intently. It is where we get together with a group of people and celebrate their victories and it is where we surround them with love when times are hard. But please know, This is nothing we dreamed up in and of ourselves. I challenge you this week, A, to join a small group, but B, to go back to Acts chapter two and study all about what small group really means because it is the model of the early church. In Acts chapter two, we find out that they, they, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all the believers were together and shared everything that they had in common. They sold their possessions and goods and gave to anyone as they had in need. I wanna tell you about a gentleman in our church named Des, Desamanu. Now I've not met him personally. This story was shared with me and he agreed that we could have it here today. 
Des decided he needed to start a small group in his community, in his neighborhood, just eight weeks ago. Eight weeks ago, he said, I'm willing. And he has over 15 people coming to his small group today and three people already wanting to be baptized because one individual said, I'm all in. (laughs) Friends, my wife and I have been involved in small groups ever since we came to this church all the way back to 1987. We've been both participants and we've been leaders of groups through the time. And our current small group, I have to tell you, is not so small. We are nine couples, 18 people who meet together. And the age range is mid-20s to mid-60s. We are across the spectrum. I politely call us the under 40s and the over 40s, and that's only to make us older 40s feel better. But we love on one another. We love on one another. Earlier this year, one of our under 40s experienced the death of his father. And I walked into the funeral home one night and he was surrounded. He was surrounded by the love of his small group. And they cared for him and poured themselves out to him. Church body, if you're not in a small group, you are missing out. You are missing out on community at its finest. You are missing out on what God has for your life. And lastly, we are still committed to growing the attendance of new believers at each and every one of our campuses. We continue to believe, church, that our outreach needs to keep spreading, that we need to have a greater impact in our Evansville and Tri-State area. But please hear this. A specific number is not what is important, and that is not what we are about. What is important is that the word of God continues to be spread in the Evansville area. What is important is that lives continue to be changed. What is important is that God is honored and exalted in everything that we do and that everyone within our reach has full access to the gospel. What is important is that the kingdom of God continues to advance. That is what is important about growing our campuses and growing in our community. Church, we're, we are blessed. We are a blessed people. I could spend the rest of the day telling you how blessed we are. I could tell you about how wonderfully your children are being taught by our children's pastor and all the wonderful volunteers back in the nursery and the children's area and that they are cared for and experience the love of Jesus every week. I wish I could tell you how wonderful our middle school and high school teaching is and how those pastors work tirelessly with your young adults each and every week, bringing more of them in and introducing them to the love of Jesus and teaching them to be Christians in their community. I wish I could tell you about our facilities team, how they work tirelessly to keep our campuses looking beautiful. And I wish I could tell you about our administrative staff who keeps us in check each and every week and on point and on task. But I'm gonna take just one moment and tell you about our worship team. If you've been in this church more than a couple of years, you know me and you know my wife and you know our three adult daughters and you know that we are a family of worshipers. But please hear this and hear me clearly. 
Church, I beg you, be about substance over style. Be about being drawn into the presence of God. Worship styles will come and go. Worship methods will change. But hear me, what our worship team does, they do with excellence. And they draw me. They draw me into the very presence of God each and every week. And I am honored to worship alongside of them, alongside of our God in heaven. It's all about Jesus. It's all about being committed to Jesus. And it's one thing to sit here today, friends, and talk about that we need to be a church committed to these visions, but know this, it must start individually. It must start with the time when each and every one of us say, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm all in. So please know if you're in the sound of my voice today, here on the Newburgh campus, over at our West campus or anywhere online, hear me today, there is a God in heaven who is completely crazy about you. And he is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to say, I'm all in. He is waiting for you to say, I am committed to you, Jesus. He is waiting for you to say, I will give my life, heart, soul, and mind to the work of the Lord, and I will do it for the rest of my life until you bring me to eternity. He is waiting for you to say, I'm committed to Jesus. Let's pray. God in heaven, you are good. God in heaven, we know you are waiting on us. You are waiting for us. We know you are going before us. God, we know you love us. So God, I pray in this moment, if there is anyone hearing your voice for the first time, God, speak boldly, speak loudly, speak clearly. Jesus, it's all about who you are. We give you complete glory and honor and praise because you and you alone are worthy to receive whatever we have to offer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.